The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. Welcome to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us this week. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, joins us to talk about the North Dakota Supreme Court's decision to allow the Davis refinery to move forward one step closer to the first greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in the last 40 years, and it's coming to Belfield, North Dakota, a minor source in energy. It is historic. It is coming to the Bakken. And boy, we are excited here at the Crude Life. William Prentice a little bit later in the program. Also, Paul Wiseman with Fit to Print. He talks about the latest blow in the pipeline industry here in the United States. The DAPL, Dakota Access Pipeline. Of course, the Keystone XL Pipeline, the Atlantic Pipeline. We've got some issues going on here in the world of pipeline, which, by the way, they are considered critical infrastructure so that's something to keep in mind as well. Wiseman predicts a transportation increase in trucking and rail when it comes to the oil world. So keep an eye on that, folks. We're going to talk with Paul Wiseman coming up in just a moment or two. But first, Tom Slocum. Documentary happening right now for major distributors. I cannot share with you who they are, but the three-letter words you know plus the other one a lot of people stream online so tom slocum has a untitled orphan well project he's going to talk a little bit about that here in just a moment or two in fact we should just get right to tom slocum right now because there's no point in listening to me blather on when we got the guest all ready to go tom slocum tom blake slocum jr and it's the orphan well project currently untitled Excellent. Thank you for joining the Crude Life program here, or program, as we like to say in the Midwest. Uh, outstanding topic, by the way, something we've been following here at the Crude Life for a number of different years, uh, watching the increase of it. And, and the more you get to know this topic, the more complex you really see it is. And it's one of those topics that you really have to take your political blinders off and you have to say this is not a political issue this is a solvable problem and you should really be excited about being able to solve a problem and that's how i really look at this is that when at the end of the day you know what, what, what tom and i are going to talk about over the next 10 15 minutes are the liabilities and just some of the basics of it but from my perspective at the end of the day it's a nonpartisan issue uh, that is solvable. So with that as context, setting the table for the interview, Tom Slocum, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me uh, today, Jason, on, on the Crude Live podcast. Thanks for letting me join you and discuss this issue that it's been festering in Texas for uh, some time, but now it's really starting to cause some visible problems. Um, and it's it's quite in our face out there, unfortunately. And uh, it's, it's something that the locals, at the local level, have really started to, to come to terms with. And uh, we even have local city councilmen 
uh, running for office down there, who is uh, running as a Republican, who is who's begun talking about this issue. So when you have Republicans in Texas uh, speaking up about it on camera, um, you know that it's uh, it's finally starting to hit the radar. Um, and really, the big issue that we're facing there is actually an entire highway being swallowed by one of these wells. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the highway that runs from Fort Stockton to Mid- Midland, it's the main road. Um, 1053, I believe, is the highway number. <laughs> There's a, a well bore directly off the highway within about 150 feet. And uh, TxDOT, most people don't know this, but TxDOT has spent over $1.5 million on this location trying to remediate the situation, but they have not been able to do a successful job because they have not um, actually hired a real team of experts that are very familiar with this type of scenario and know what it takes to, uh, to remediate it. Um, so, unfortunately, the state of Texas, they don't have a good grasp on the scope of this problem. They, they never really have. And uh, there's a loophole, kind of, uh, that, that exists. Um, for lack of a better term, you could call it a loophole. But uh, there's, there's a, a piece of paperwork in Texas called the P13 form. And if you have an oil well uh, on your land and you're a property owner, chances are in your lease, you've been given the right to that well bore as part of your lease negotiation. And you can use that well bore for water in the future after the oil company is done using it for producing hydrocarbons. Uh, so that's a common practice. It's happened in Texas ever since the 20s. Uh, since they invented the, the paperwork. And uh, unfortunately, there was a, a fire in Austin, uh, I believe in the 70s in the, or the 80s. I'm not sure exactly when. The Railroad Commission destroyed a lot of those records, and we don't have many of those records anymore for our reference. And you have thousands of wellbores out there. You don't know where they are, and you don't know if they were legally transferred or not. But lo and behold, they are being used as water wells, or they were. So you're going to assume that they were legally transferred to the landowners and there's no recourse uh, for the government. Basically, if, if the landowner does not have the funds to properly plug and abandon one of these well bores, there's nothing the government can do. And uh, there's no program. There's no legislation that's been written, nothing to address this. Uh, they can lobby the EPA and, and the groundwater officials that is in, in Vegas County. Um, you know, and, and the groundwater officials around around America, they can lobby different government groups to try to help and try to find funding for it. But uh, most times, I would say 99 times out of 100, there is no funding for these well bores. And so hence we have what uh, some studies have, have stated as 56,000 documented orphaned wells in America and uh, up to 750,000 undocumented well bores. And uh, some people actually believe the number is upwards of a million well bores um, due to just the level of, uh, of destruction of documents and fires like we had in Austin and in other states. So unfortunately, there's been loss of records, um, not, you know, not on purpose, but it happens. And uh, so now we, 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 the situation is we have a lot of well bores out there that need attention. And uh, these are problems that don't go away, unfortunately. This isn't something if we turn our heads uh, and 
and don't pay attention to it or stick our heads in the ground per se, um, this issue isn't just going to magically disappear. And that was Tom Slocum with the Untitled Orphan Well Project. We're going to take a brief pause. We come back. It's going to be William Prentice joining us, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. Crude Life is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe-down, electro-spraying, commercial, industrial, medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. 970-539-8066. The Crude Life with host Jason Speece. Welcome back to The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Speece. Thank you folks for joining us. Coming up next, it is William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. Hi, it's Bill Prentice, CEO of Meridian Energy Group. Outstanding. Looks like we got some good levels here. And let's get right into our interview. Of course, we're coming off of some big news from the North Dakota Supreme Court. Of course, it's not so much big news as much as it is uh, validation of something that was big news 18 months ago. So we're joined by William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, to talk about the latest with the Davis Refinery in Belfield, North Dakota. How are you doing today, sir? Uh, pretty good. Let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, it, was it 18 months? Is that right? Is that how long this has been since, I guess, we've, we've validated, or has it been longer than that? Actually, I, I think it's almost been over two years, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, the original permit was granted, the final permit, in June of 2018. So hmm. it's uh, almost exactly two years of litigation after the permit was granted. And prior to that, um, we originally applied for the permit in October 2016, so it was about 21 months to get to the uh, to get to the permit. So, you know, pretty close to four years for the entire process. And I tell you, sometimes, it, and I apologize to everybody out there, all these different uh, numbers, uh, and it uh, gets confusing at times. That's why we bring the CEO on to talk a little bit about this. But if it's been 24 months since the department, is, it was environmental control or environmental quality, excuse me, 
that uh, they issued that permit. And walk us through a little bit what's happened since then, because most people think when you get that that uh, air quality permit, that's the one that sets the rest of the course in motion, so to speak. So let's talk a little bit about what happened uh, two years ago to where we're at today. Oh, sure. And put it in context, uh, you know, there are a number of permits that you have to get. Um, the process started with the County of Billings, where we uh, uh, went in uh, 2015 to get our conditional use permit and rezoning for the site. Uh, that was actually granted in July of 2016. Um, so you take the the previous 45 months, you can add a year to that. So it's you know it's been five years of permitting for for Davis. Um, once we got the permission from the county to actually use that site for the refinery, uh, we went ahead and started our detailed engineering and filed the air quality permits, and that interaction with the uh, permitting agency, the Department of Environmental Quality, as it's called now, was continuous and intensive, and we made a lot of design changes as a result of that interaction. Um, so that permit uh, was in draft form towards the end of uh, 2017. Uh, we received over 10,000 public comments on the uh, draft permit. Uh, both ourselves and uh, the Department of Environmental Quality had to respond to every one of them. Once that was done in early uh, 2018, the department went back and, you know, considered everything and came back with their final permit. So it was a very intensive process, uh, you know, and not, you know, just occasionally. It was a week-by-week intensive review and, and design progress and, interaction with uh, the agency and, of course, uh, consideration of all the uh, comments, uh, which, you know, there wasn't a single one that we did not answer. So, yeah, this, uh, you know, people think that uh, somehow in states like North Dakota, it's going to be a simpler thing. Uh, I've been involved in energy projects all around the world, California, California, uh, in the United States is considered the toughest. And I would say that what North Dakota put us through is every bit as tough as what you would face in California. That's one of the things that strikes me a bit odd. And I remember you and I, I guess, not having detailed conversations, but I guess I would I would comment to you from time to time off the air about, God, I've never seen any facility go through this amount of rigorous red tape. And I've been around for a while in terms of, you know, covering government affairs for 25 years, a number of different things. Did I know you guys have had conversations about this because like you just said, I mean, this has been like California and, and North Dakota put out videos talking about how business friendly and et cetera it was. Do you think that this had to do with the Theodore Roosevelt National Park being so close, or do you think it had to do with the 16-year-old girl going around uh, talking about climate change, combination of things, kind of a perfect storm? Um, now that you guys are going to go go ahead and move forward, have you guys had a chance to kind of process this about the National Park and just kind of the state affair? I mean, the climate change issue has gotten banks to – 
force people to go down an ESG certification, in which you guys have gone down that path. So uh, talk to me a little bit about the perception and what, why you feel that, you know, it, it was so, so problematic and, and um, legalese, if you will. Yeah, I, thanks. That's a great question. Um, you know, first of all, Meridian is not afraid of the, the environmentalist movement. Uh, we're a product of that movement. Uh, we started this process uh, intending to change the industry for the better, and uh, we've already done so. Uh, having Davis built in an operation will make further progress, and then doing additional projects like Davis around the country will will kind of close the gap there. But uh, you know, just seeing what we accomplished uh, through our interaction with their quality, uh, you know, Davis is going to have one tenth of the industry average uh, total pollutants, less than one half of the greenhouse gas. If half of the refinery capacity in the U.S. were replaced by Davis-style projects, we would uh, reduce the U.S. Uh, carbon footprint by 90 million tons per year. Um, you know, that's that's a lot for a little company to do. Uh, you know, the TR Park was part of it. Uh, by virtue of the fact that we're fairly close to the park, uh, we're in a class one attainment zone and had to meet more stringent requirements. And you could say, as, as a matter of fact, that the project Davis Refinery is cleaner because it is going to be located close to the park. Um, you, know, you mentioned the, the latest uh, uh, set of, uh, of buzzwords, you know, environmental, social, and governance issues, ESG. Uh, that's become a big thing over the last couple of years. And because of the equator principles being so um, so uh, important to major investors in the country, uh, we've had to go back and make sure that everything we've done is fully documented as being in compliance with those equator principles. And we found that from day one, we were in compliance. We've always done business that way. Uh, we went through an intense review um, procedure uh, right at the beginning of the year before our investors went out into the market for the Davis project financing, and we passed with flying colors. Um, this, uh, the company, the way it does things is exactly what is needed in the energy business uh, at this time. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're aware of the difficulties that the industry is going to face, uh, you know, um, doing business in this environment. But I think we've shown that you can do so. Has anybody from the environmental uh, movement from, and in fact, Terry Edom is a great word, climate activist. I think that's a great term. Anybody from that side of things uh, reached out to you guys and offered to embrace some of the technology and some of the, innovation that you guys have put forward you bring out you, you really brought up a good point which is you guys have been practicing environmental practices and a lot of this just seems so political and so blanketed and, and etc i'm just curious has anybody reached out to you and said you know what well we're going to support you because your science was right has, has anybody done that by the way no it's been very frustrating uh you know in our view 
Uh, if you're an environmentalist and you don't support the Davis Project and what it's trying to accomplish, you're a hypocrite. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, Paul Wiseman with Fit to Print. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. The Davis Refinery. Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including... SARS, and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe-down, electro-spraying, commercial, industrial, medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we have Paul Wiseman with Fit to Print. Paul Wiseman, Fit to Print. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Of course, Fit to Print, give us a little bit of a description of what that is. I know you from being active on social media with oil and gas content and news and that sort of thing. So, Fit to Print, give yourself a quick plug, sir. Okay, well... uh I started off in uh, 1995 uh, writing advertorials for the Midland Reporter Telegram, and during that time, uh, well, part of what I did there was to write in, for the oil and gas industry. And so, fast forward 20 years or so, uh, I began to branch out and do some writing, uh, not only of advertorials but uh, for other magazines, uh, industry publications, and uh, like the Pre- uh, Premium Basin Oil and Gas magazine and some others and so I've really focused now on writing not only in publications but also um, doing advertising and that sort of thing for uh, the oil and gas industry. Talk to me a little bit about some of the trends that you've been seeing going on because I totally understand the type of writing that you've done and you know it's a lot of 5,000 foot view and a lot of uh, you know specific uh, micro as well. 
So when we look at what's going on in the pipeline right now, this is the big you know story: the the Atlantic pipeline, the Dominion, and oh, I forget the other Duke Energy. They they decided to scrap that pipeline. Of course, the judge with the Dapple Dakota Access pipeline put a halt on yep. that. Major shockwaves totally through the pipeline industry. Um, there's been a little bit of a trend for for building pipelines, it seems. So this, to me, it's as a almost like a reverse or, or a quick kind of a, a knee-jerk type of a thing. I know there's been an environmental movement, but talk to me about your observations, what you've seen when it comes to the pipelines, you know, over the last several years and where we're at today. Well, being in the, in the Permian, it's, it's, it's sort of a like being on an island because pretty much everybody in the Permian agrees that we need to build a pipeline. So when I look around at the rest of the world, it's uh, or the rest of the United States, it, it, it's it's there. There are two problems with blocking pipelines. I mean, certainly we want them not to leak and we want them to be safe and and not pollute the waters. I mean, I, I, even the the. The, the companies, or maybe especially the companies operating them, want that because that's a product they can't sell, and, and they do want to be good stewards. But the two problems are, first of all, when you don't have a pipeline, you've got to ship it somewhere else, some way else, and that's likely to be rail. Well, that, that's a whole lot more dangerous to truck, um, uh, you know, flammable liquid through downtown Minneapolis or whatever. And, and secondly, <clears throat> in the Northeast, that puts us to importing uh, liquefied natural gas or something like that from Russia, which is known to be a huge polluter. So it seems backwards to me to uh, to continually block pipelines that are, uh, I mean, no, nothing is perfect, but they're way ahead of what the alternative is. Where, where I get a little bit confused is the rationale and the reason behind this. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this the, the the judge stepped in because he wants more studied studies done for environmental purposes. Correct? That's my understanding. Okay, yes. okay, good. We're on the same page there. Um, I haven't seen anything really discussed about the environmental impact about the the shift from pipeline to rails and cars. You know, you you brought up the rail part, but there's also the the I'm sorry, the trucks, trucks and cars, if you will. Because at the, at the end of the day, they're still going to move that stuff. I mean, the oil and gas companies have never been shy about, you know, they're interested in results, and they're going to figure out a way to get the results. And if you're going to take away our pipeline, well, then we're going to have to give Warren Buffett a call and Matt Rose, and can you fire up the uh, old rail cars that you invested $5 billion in five years ago? I mean, so there, there's backup plans is what I'm getting at, but... It seems to me that that shift would also have a shift in the environmental impact. Does does that make sense to you? Yes, uh, that's a, you're, we're on the, definitely on the same page there because that's what I was saying. That it's uh, when you have oil or gas or natural gas liquids or whatever buried, you know, under the ground. If something does go wrong, God forbid, then you've got a chance to contain that. If if a rail car comes off the track, if some somebody runs a crossing uh, signal and runs into it, man, you have a problem there. So, uh, and it's more expensive. The trucks are being the most expensive because you've got one driver and you know, a, a few barrels in there. Uh, for the train, you've got one engine and, and you know thousands of barrels. So the, the smaller the load, the more expensive it is to pay somebody 
to to oversee that down the road. So you do end up with, uh, in, in an economy like this, you might end up with some production shut in, I suppose, in some, it, it might be the difference between making some fields profitable and not, or at least some wells. I take a look at the agriculture issues right away. Up in North Dakota, we've got pulse crops. We've got, actually, I think North Dakota has got, what was it, 16 or 18 or something like that of the number one crop production in the United States from, you know, uh, chickpeas to, to honey. So we, we rely on the rail a lot for hitting the ports, if you will. The last time I remember that the rail got an increase of, of transporting crude oil, the farmers got really upset. I mean, not upset at anybody, but they, they kind of felt like they were left out, like reprioritized, if you will. Uh, have you looked at that, or are you familiar with what I'm talking about, how the ripple gets into the ag market about shipping the goods and services that the ag industry does? Well, it's uh, not directly, but it makes a lot of sense in supply and demand. If there's more demand on the rail system and it gets crowded, then prices are going to go up for everybody. And it's also going to slow down. You know, I'm sure the, in agriculture, you have a narrow window to ship your, your products out before they spoil in the field or in storage or something. And if you're having to wait longer times for rail availability, then I'm sure that would be a problem. And that's going to raise food costs. Or, or, you know, we're, and we're already, uh, with the COVID-19 stuff, I understand they're burying crops and, and, and burying animals and stuff like that already. So that would just be another strain on, on the food supply. I'm looking at the release put out by Energy Transfer Partners, and they did mention this in their release. Farmers will suffer as crude transportation will move to rail displacing corn, wheat, and soy crops that would normally be moved to market. Ironically, the counties along these rail lines will face increased environmental risks due to the increased amount of crude oil traveling by rail. Um, there, there's another ironic twist in this whole environmental justification to where now we're going to be you know, having these things moved by rail. And energy transfer partners, quick to point that out. So Again, going back to the, the safety ramifications and the environmental ram, uh, uh, responsibility, if you will, seems a bit odd that this happened so quickly and, and, and just out of nowhere. Out of, in fact, I was interviewing somebody, and I had a, a different news story that came out earlier that day about uh, energy transfer in, implementing some force majeure clause because they were, like, doubling down on the, the I guess, they thought, you know, everything was fine, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, yeah. came out of nowhere. So uh, what have you heard from people in your network in terms of do they feel this is going to impact them? You're, you're down in Texas, so I, I don't know how much this is going to impact you guys, but if it's oil and gas, Texas is impacted. You know that. Sure. And uh, uh, if I could step back real quickly to the last topic, just a little bit on agriculture, I had a thought there. What the agriculture is already strained from, from what I think are – ridiculous requirements of, for turning corn into ethanol. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that, that takes a whole lot of productive land out of food and, uh, and, and all that to start with. So anyway, I did want to get back to that. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it makes it very difficult for investment money to go into these projects because many of them, uh, the, the Keystone Pipeline and others have been, you know, a decade or more in the planning and, and obviously in the best case situation it's going to be three to five years before you get your a return on your investment but when it stretches out and, and you get 
if you had a checklist, we did A, B, C, and D, and now we get to have a pipeline, and you don't have, and so you do all that, and suddenly there's a D, E, and F added after you've already, in, 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 you know, in that case, already built the pipeline and are running it. Um, I can't imagine why anybody with, with, with unknown sudden risks like that would want to put you know, tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars into a project anymore. Mr. Paul Wiseman, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Paul Wiseman. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. If you don't take off your mask. If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by Titan Solutions is now in decontamination services. Their proven process kills 99.999% of all common viruses, bacteria, and fungi, including SARS and the viruses that cause the COVID-19. Call Titan Solutions today for your disinfected ULV fogging, wipe down, electro spraying, commercial industrial medical lodging, decontamination needs. That's Titan Solutions. Give them a call today, 970-539-8066. That's 970-539-8066. Proudly serving the oil and gas industry using organic products, decontamination services, Titan Solutions. That's 970-539-8066. 970-539-8066. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Paul Wiseman with Fit to Print. If you had a checklist, we did A, B, C, and D, and now we get to have a pipeline. And, you don't have, and so you do all that, and suddenly there's a D, E, and F added after you've already, in, 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 you know, in that case, already built the pipeline and are running it. Um, I can't imagine why anybody with, with, with unknown sudden risks like that would want to put you know tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars into a project anymore so that's gonna that's gonna really put a damper on things uh, we have less of that in, in Texas because the whole state basically you know <laughs> uh, the economy runs on oil and gas but even there uh, uh, you know in some areas there are some issues but yeah I mean it's going to impact prices everywhere so I wanted to transition into an article that you sent me earlier this week about uh, one of the topics we wanted to talk about, which was making the case for oil and gas, which is let's look at some of the positives, some of the uh, g- g- uh, opportunities that exist out there, because I've been saying this whole time, they just printed $7 trillion and pumped it into the marketplace. Go get it. You know, I mean, it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's controlled and managed and 
this and that. But at the same time, there are opportunities out there. They're difficult to find. I'm not saying it's an easy time right now. And that's one of the reasons why I appreciate everybody that listens to The Crude Life because we're we're out there actively looking for those positive investment opportunities out there. We had a great conversation yesterday about natural gas. Natural gas is one of the brightest spots right now. Crude oil is going through a little bit of a tough time right now. And coming off of this pipeline, that's that's a little bit of a devastation. But we just got done talking about how, geez, if you're in the rail car business or the trucking business, adequate opportunity for you there, part of the ebbs and flows of the economy. So with that being said, making the case for oil and gas, let's talk about that a little bit because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, 96% of what we use has fossil fuels from our toothpaste to the toothbrush to the transportation it takes to get to the toothpaste to your house. So, so much of what we do does, you know, fossil fuels in our lifetime, it might decrease, but it ain't going away. So therefore there's going to be ample times to kind of, you know, find some opportunity. Let's talk about that today. You know, you, you sent over the article, make the case for oil and gas. So let's do that a little bit. We just talked a little bit about some trucking and natural gas. Where do you see kind of some areas of uh, positivity right now in the oil and gas sector, if, if I may, may be so bold? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think what you said is, uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm calling you on my cell phone, which is mostly plastic and, and uh, some rare earth. So that's more mining in, in there. So uh, the, 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 mis, the, the misstatement, that's not the right word, but uh, to say that we can do all that we do now without fossil fuels, with wind or, or whatever, is, is ridiculous. The, the reason that the number one fuel uh, around the world uh, is uh, petroleum-based, either uh, uh, gasoline or diesel, is it's, it packs more energy than anything else. It's quickly uh, restored. You can fill up in five minutes. A uh, large truck might take 10, but it, it's the most efficient and the most useful fuel. And we're not going to be able to travel uh, anywhere near like we do now, even if we were to, it, there's not, well, there's not enough lithium in the world for batteries uh, to, bat, to uh, fill all these cars with. So I, uh, there, there's just nothing that replaces oil and gas. And are, are there some things we can do to make it cleaner? Probably. Uh, and I think the changes, uh, the positive for natural gas is the opportunities to generate electricity with it, replacing coal and, and uh, the, I guess mainly coal. Uh, that, that's much cleaner. We've, the U.S. has already dropped its, its emissions over the last 20 years by I believe I don't I can't I can't don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think by more than any other industrialized nation, uh, because of uh, higher fuel efficiency added to cars, and uh, or required by car, for cars, and uh, then switching to natural gas, and uh, there's still some things that you have to have coal for. Ironically, to make those wind turbines, the only thing that generates enough heat to, to forge that metal in the wind turbines is coal. <laughs> So you can't even have renewable, so-called renewable energy without oil and gas and, and uh, fossil fuels. 
And that was Paul Wiseman with Fit to Print. That's going to do it for today's Crude Life Week in Review. I'd like to thank Mr. Paul Wiseman with Fit to Print for coming on today's program. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, congratulations on the North Dakota Supreme Court decision. One step closer to the Davis refinery becoming a reality, the first Greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in the last 40 years. And I'll tell you, folks, it ain't the last one either. It is a minor source, and that technology is going to keep folding into new energy projects across the globe. And you've heard it right here over the past several years, the evolution of that green energy with Meridian Energy Group and William Prentice. Also, Tom Slocum with the Untitled Orphan Well Project. We're going to keep an eye on that as well as it continues to film and get ready for some major distribution coming up in the fall and in winter. Tom Slocum, Untitled Orphan Well Project. Paul Wiseman, Fit to Print. And William Prentice with Meridian Energy Group. Thank you very much. Of course, all of those interviews can be found in their entirety at thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank the radio station. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. And if you are listening over the radio right now, I'm going to implore you and encourage you to contact your local radio station this week. Here's why. Number one, if you're looking for somewhere to advertise, it's a great place to advertise during the summer. Lots of people are outside enjoying the radio. Lots of people are doing hands-free activity. But more importantly, radio stations are a wealth of information when it comes to your local community. Therefore, if you need to know coronavirus, COVID-19 information, I guarantee you somebody from your radio station will be glad to get you that information or find the people who can do it for you. So please support your local radio station. We'll be back next week, folks. We'll be back at this time on this radio station. Plus, we also can be found on YouTube, on Facebook, LinkedIn, some of the other social media sites, too, and the Google Podcasts and the Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio and something called Rural Listen Podcast I found the other day. So just go to thecrudelife.com, click on the social media tab. We have all of our social media pages there. If you'd like to click on our podcast, we have links for that as well, too. From the staff here at The Crude Life, we can review. My name is Jason Spees asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry. It's a way of life. If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. Just you and